Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. Today, we are so excited to have Nat Gringudis on our podcast. She is a doctor of Chinese medicine, acupuncturist, author, speaker, and all-around natural fertility expert. She is the host of the Wellness Collective and the Period Party Podcast and Health Talks YouTube channel. She has a women's wellness clinic called the Pagoda Tree in Melbourne, Australia that she founded in 2003. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So you are in Australia right now and tell us about, walk us through your career path. What led you to focus on women's health and hormones? Mm, I didn't choose it. (laughs) Um, It was just one of those things that I actually made a really bold statement saying I never actually wanted to treat women's health. It it was, if you can imagine every single woman in your office being hormonal in some way, it wasn't my idea of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) But um, over time, I just had more and more women struggling with, things that modern medicine didn't seem to give them answers for. And so um, after many, many, many women with the same issues, I decided that rather than pretend to know um, that I was going to start to work out what was actually going on. And really most of the conditions that all problems or even symptoms that I was seeing was actually just a result of our modern day lifestyle and medicine hadn't quite caught up yet. So that led me on a path that, really uh, fairly quickly put me on the map for women and I grew very quickly and and saw a lot of women and just over time and as chance would have it I started to you know write more articles write more blog posts this is back when websites were for you know individual use were fairly new blog sites were were fairly new and I continued to do that and was fortunate enough to you know start a podcast and Mm-hmm. just really ride that wave and then the YouTube channel and well I guess before people were really doing it because I saw it as a, a means to help more women wow. and then from there I was fortunate enough to become a published author and travel the world speaking and it just really continuing to spread that message because it, it really is as far as I'm concerned so important for us to understand our body so that we can make informed choices that are actually going to help us, not just a choice that uh, is, you know, a one-size-fits-all approach. Because as we're all learning, that's not really how it goes. Oh, gosh, yes. And I have certainly had tearful doctor experiences with males just kind of shaking their heads, like, I I don't understand what you're saying, and that's Mm -hmm. so frustrating to go through. So I bet it would be such a lovely experience to get to talk to you and not just kind of discount whatever. Right. And you think that they're not credible and you're, you're voicing a symptom and they're just like, well, you know, I've never heard of that. (laughs) And you were so sweet to have us on the wellness collective podcast. So we are doing a swap and we will link that in the description. So y'all can hear that episode too. And the other thing, when you were talking about, you started the YouTube channel to reach more people. That's exactly why we started our blogs when mom was getting the same style questions over and over we thought well this is there's obviously a need for this we need more women to have access yeah absolutely and I think 
you know, we can never have too much information, although we can get overloaded. That's why you come to people that give you the facts yeah. so that you're not swimming through, you know, piles of things that work out still what's right and what's wrong, that you actually are speaking or listening to people who have actual hands-on experience. And I think that's what really counts the most. I actually just read something on Facebook that was a colleague of mine and she was saying how she'd been in the industry for 14 years. Now, I've been practicing for two more years than her. So I was like, holy moly, it's actually been 16 (laughs) years. Um, I tell people it's 14, it's not, it's 16. And that's just crazy. It blows my mind that it's been that long. But, you know, that would have allowed me to at least have 20,000 patient encounters. And so really that's the that's the the one thing that you can't buy you can't buy that experience you have to have gone through that and seen the same or various problems that women are having over and over again to be able to then know exactly where to lead them know exactly what to tell them um and so that really i think is such a privilege to have done that and to continue to do that and continue to learn and help steer women in the right direction and also women that can't get to you because they don't live, you know, where you live, you have this resource provided for them because I have found more and more every time you try and Google something, mm. it always turns into you get to a certain point and then they, you have to buy something. So then you think, well, that wasn't even probably valid information that I just, you know, right. that I just read. So it's really, really frustrating. And also it's super important what you know yeah. what you are offering so i wanted you to tell us about how we can improve our hormonal health yeah i think that just understanding the basics is so important i think we fear it we hormones are that category we love to say oh, i'm so hormonal like i feel hormonal right, <laughs> right. what does that really mean like <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> um and so i think just understanding that our hormones, like anything in our body, crave balance. They want to be as close to where they should be as possible. But when that's not possible, we can see a whole plethora of signs and symptoms. And we do one of two things with that. We either fear the worst or pretend it's not happening, or actually three things, hope that tomorrow will be better. We love to do that one. We love to go, oh, gosh, I hope tomorrow's better. But we don't actually do anything to action it or change it. So... I think we really underestimate what impact stress has on our hormones and and that's simply because it really affects our progesterone. So our two main, we've got three main hormones, but our two main hormones women's fundamentally understand, I think, are estrogen and progesterone. And estrogen is in full swing at the beginning of our menstrual cycle until we ovulate and progesterone then gets to kick in more so from the middle of our cycle through to when we get our period again. Now, if you are not getting a menstrual cycle, if you're using hormone contraceptives or maybe you're heading into perimenopause and menopause, then they're reasons that you know we can see changes in those hormones. But outside of those things, if we're experiencing imbalance with those two, it can show up in many ways. Um, and really impact our daily lives. So when we're experiencing these, these, these imbalances that I talk about, we can see everything from missing periods through to acne, facial hair, weight gain, anxiety, depression, 
um, so many symptoms will present themselves. And the reason that the symptoms are wide and varied is because we then put our own genetics in the mix and that will show up in different ways for some of us. For some of us, we might have endometriosis. For others, we might have PCOS or, or just simply painful periods. Um, and so that's where it gets tricky because there are so many different ways that it can present. So there's so many different uh, presentations and imbalances that we can see within that that will then determine what that looks like for each of us. And actually on my website, if you do go there, and I'm sure you'll put the notes, the link in the notes, um, I have a, a worksheet that you can go and look at your symptoms to profile you or lead you in a direction that's most likely to show you your imbalance that you're seeing. And I, I, I have the most common types there. And it's not necessarily going to give you a definitive answer, but it'll allow you to start to look at, oh, is it estrogen or is it pedestrian or is it testosterone or what else could it be? Right. And when you have more information like that, you can then start to be a bit more curious and to go down that path of discovery because you're looking at your signs and symptoms. Test, testing can be amazing, but it doesn't factor in how you're feeling. It just shows us what you look like on paper. And that can give us loads of information and sometimes it can give us no information. But your symptoms can give us so much information because they can't be wrong. Your symptoms can't be wrong. So I think for women, we've been told for a long time that it's just the way it is. That, for example, you have period pain. I remember my mum saying, oh, just it's awful to be a woman. It's not fair, I... is it? But that's where it stopped. That was the solution she gave me. And, and so it's, it's, that's a great example, I think, of something that we've accepted as being, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, normal. It's not normal. It's just common. We're not supposed to have pain. If, if you were to have pain anywhere else in your body or if you were a male and you are experiencing pain frequently, you wouldn't just accept it for oh, here it is again, right. <laughs> go and do something about it. If you had pain in your stomach every few weeks or a headache, or you'd go and look at why that, well, hopefully you would go and look at why that is. But period pain, we just accept it to be part and parcel and it's not. Um, so really, again, that being a great clue as to what else might be going on for you and diving deeper into that to lead you on that path. And so as we talk about this, is this something that you're mainly talking about with people that are, you know, having their period or is this something that women, you know, obviously menopause is a, is another stage where women are having a lot of hormonal issues. Do you discuss that as well? Yeah, we treat women from 16 to 66 and beyond. I actually have started seeing um, more frequently younger children in the clinic and that comes with another whole a set of challenges um, because we're, I'm starting to see more frequently girls going through puberty early um, and too early. So, <clears throat> um, excuse me. Um, so there's no, you know, your hormones don't just stop because you're going through menopause. You are then shown a different um, set of presentation. They're not more testosterone in your body once you transition through menopause than you've ever had in your life. Right. And it's so important that that is the case. But for many women, that's not what's happening. And so that, that can show up as um, 
dryness, low libido, uh, painful intercourse, many ways it can show up. And so again, it's just looking at your your signs and symptoms to help to guide you. It's it's difficult, I guess, to say, oh, this is the 101 in your hormones because as you can sort of already start to see, it really depends on where you're at in your life, your genetics, your environment, and um, how that is actually presenting for you. All those all of those factors really weigh in. And so when we look at all of that, then we can get the answers that we've been searching for. I can see a, a room full of women with endometriosis, but I would treat every single one differently based on their presentation. Ah, that's very interesting. All righty. Do you want to ask if so? I think that's such a big question. If so, what are some tips you can give people, you know, women who are going through menopause? But I think, like you just said, there it could be, you know, many different things. So you have to... Yeah, I think... I think look at where you are at and really start to determine because a lot of women going through menopause, they, they again, I've seen the most bizarre symptoms in women. <laughs> Consistent sore throats, loss of voice, um, hoarse voice, wow. um, right through to, you know, experiencing flooding. Um, mm-hmm. They're still not necessarily menstruating yeah. regularly, but they're getting random periods. Mm-hmm. Um Weight gain, um, obviously hot flushes is a very common thing for us to mm-hmm. associate with menopause and the transition. I think the biggest problem for women experiencing menopause or symptoms is that they seem to go on for longer than ever. Menopause is a transition that we should we say should last around a year mm-hmm. when your hormones are in balance. But for so many women, that doesn't happen. And I can see women in the clinic that 10 years later are still experiencing menopausal symptoms. And I would say the main reason and the most common reason that happens is because our estrogen levels are too high and that is a result of our modern day living. So stress will, as we spoke about before, stress will um, pull the handbrake on progesterone. And what that does is it just continues to see estrogen climbing in the body. And when we have estrogen climbing because of, of stresses, um, it can mean that it's not actually d- declining in a, in a normal way. So women are suspended in this state of menopause. And if we can actually start to regulate their estrogen better, then that actually then allows them to start to transition. So just to understand that estrogen can be driven crazy due to environmental factors. It can be driven, which is seen as a stress on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be driven crazy due to chemicals in our body products, in our cleaning products, um, wow. in our personal hygiene products. Um, and, and it can be also impacted by other factors like excess alcohol and soy consumption are really common and plastics, heating in plastic containers, drinking out of plastic water bottles. Again, the chemicals that are leached in all of these products, they're not true estrogen, but in our body mimic estrogen. So they arrive in our body and our body doesn't know the difference between its own estrogen and those. And so your body just puts it on the estrogen pile. And then the challenge becomes, all right, well, now it's in my body. Now I have to clear it. So that's the second factor that I would be looking at. You've got these external factors that drive estrogen crazy. And then you've got the internal workings of your body being able to process, metabolize and and move it or detoxify. And if that part of your body isn't working, so the liver and the gut mainly, if if that's not working, then that can continue to add to the estrogen pile. And so 
we really need to be able to look at ways of not only minimising those external factors, but looking how, at how we can encourage our body to clear oestrogen better. And so this can be quite simple, um, increasing dietary fibre, cruciferous veggies, um, and minimising those external influences can really have a massive impact on allowing women to get control on their oestrogen and in doing that, decrease their oestrogen levels to allow them to transition through menopause. And I find that if I can really get a handle on stress for these women, mm -hmm. um, they will also transition much more happily through that phase. That is fascinating. Once again, stress. <laughs> we do not. I know, it's such a pest. <laughs> it's such a pest, but it's... Insane. I mean, it's really it's, the truth that it affects your body. It affects everything. It affects your decision-making. It affects your ability to sleep. It affects every part of you um, is impacted by it. And yet we still glorify it for some reason. We still think we can't be productive unless we're stressed. We, ah. we still see it as something that is necessary. And whilst, yes, it's necessary to keep us safe mm -hmm. in periods of danger, it's not necessary to get a job done. We just choose it. Right. And so I think being able to recognise, and I say to patients, if you can recognise what you're stressed about and ask yourself, does it actually warrant stress or are you just choosing it, that can be very powerful because you can actually choose better. And when you can get that type of control over your mind, that becomes extremely effective and extremely powerful in you actually operating from a better place rather than as out of a place of deficiency and overwhelm and stress, which is never good. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I, last year, I don't, I still haven't figured this out. Maybe you can help me now, but whenever it's, I eat and I try to eat in a clean way with not a lot of ingredients. And so Sometimes if I'm being naughty and I'm eating something, I don't know what the ingredient is, but the next day I wake up with a migraine and my stomach is upset. And so that's the doctor appointment I was talking about where I was explaining these symptoms and it's this man sitting there and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it was so frustrating that I started to cry because, you know, it's like you look completely fine on paper. And I'm like, well, okay, fine, but I'm having these symptoms. So you have an eating disorder, right? Oh, yeah. He th at one point, he thought I had an eating disorder. I oh, can't heavens. Oh, and then he was like, why are you so emotional? Oh, my <laughs> The goodness. whole thing was horrifying. But then I went to, maybe you know about him, Dr. Frank Lippman in New York. He's a holistic doctor. And he told, and mom came to the appointment, which, of course, I'm sure he thought was ridiculous. But he basically just told me that I was stressed, which that's not the only thing because that still would happen if I eat this ingredient. But, um, but you know, it's like, I didn't even, I didn't feel like I was stressed. <laughs> right. I know. And that's what I'm saying. Stress is so many things. It's not just being overwhelmed or busy or overextended. It's right. all of those things that I mentioned. It's how's your gut working? What is your liver doing? Right. Where is your emotional health? Are you living in a building that's full of dampness or mold? Um, are you waking up every morning looking in the mirror going, you look awful? Like right. it's so many, so many factors and it's more than, you know, so many more things I could keep on listing, listing. But I think just to speak to that, the issue is we seek help from our GPs, our general doctors, and that's not 
necessarily wrong in certain circumstances, but when it comes to our hormones, right. it might not be a right fit. And and also, even if you are going to your doctor for something like you mentioned, at best they might have 10 minutes with you. Right. And this is where you really do need to see the right person, I think, and you want to rule out anything dangerous or sinister, of course, but I generally find that that's not the case. We, again, because we're stressed, we think of the worst-case scenario and work backwards. Um, and our, when it comes to hormones, often it's our GPs that are prescribing hormonal contraceptives without actually looking at what might be the imbalance. And so finding the right healthcare provider, maybe your gynecologist or someone else that specialises in women's health and hormones, can be an absolute game changer because they'll look at what the problem actually is, not just their solution, which is usually something like the oral contraceptive pill or a marina, which can never fix the problem. And someone said to me yesterday, and I used to say this all the time, oh, it's such a Band-Aid. And I'm like, it's not even a Band-Aid because it actually makes it worse over time because it continues to, A, not fix the problem, but B, continues to affect the body, deplete the body um, and upset uh, good gut flora as well. So all of those things are so paramount to our health. And if we're not looking at the reason why something is happening and just treating a symptom, we find ourselves down the track in a very problematic situation because it's almost been ignored for so long until such a point that your symptoms get louder and louder and they just present in different ways. So it is important that we do get answers. And I have no issue with, just to put it out there, using medications or hormonal contraceptives for contraception. But if you're using it to treat something, that's where I have an issue because it's not what it's, it's not, not ideal. It's not what it's supposed to do. Um, And so even then, if you are using hormonal contraceptives, knowing how it impacts your body so that you can do certain things to support your body all the while is also very important. And I look forward to the day that our doctors prescribe us something and then say, well, actually, these are the potential side effects and this is why. So if you can actually take a probiotic, really look after your nutrition, make sure you're avoiding foods that trigger you, um, have a great multivitamin, multimineral and maybe a fish oil just to keep things as good as they can be, that's a very different approach. And I think it's it's unfortunate that we're not quite there yet, but they're the sorts of things that we can start to do to support our body all the while helping it to function better and for us to also be able to live each day in optimal health. Right. Any remedies for period cramps? <laughs> mm. Um Period, I mean, any pain, again, is inflammation in your body. So I think, first of all, recognising that, okay, well, if I've got pain, there's inflammation on some level. Mm. Inflammation can always be absolutely traced back to our gut. And so I've spoken a little bit and touched on that. But if you can really look after your gut and your gut function, you can make some great inroads when it comes to inflammation and pain in the body. And usually we see inflammation in a response to something we call leaky gut. So when things are moving outside of the gut because the actual cell junctions of the gut aren't nice and tightly packed together. So we want we want each of those cells to be nice and tightly packed so nothing's getting 
or moving outside of the gut, which is supposed to be, if you imagine your gut, it's like a sealed tube almost. It's not supposed to have things coming out of it. Um, And so being able to make sure that that's nice and strong and that the gut flora is um, in good balance, so the good bacteria is, is present, is really, really important. Um, and so how do we do that? We do that by um, gut permeability or the, that strength of the, the cells of the gut, like I said, really respond very well to collagen and zinc. Um, and collagen we can take as a supplement, but we get that from our foods as well. So anything that's slow cooked with meat protein, um, Mm-hmm. slow cooked roasting stewing anything that's cooked over a long period of time will contain collagen because it comes out of the actual bone and marrow of of that um and then looking at your probiotics so that's the good bacteria and you've probably seen you know most of us now accept that, that that's important um but we can also get this through food anything that's fermented um fermented veggie will have that good bacteria and so introducing those things to your your you know weekly regime can be really important and then also reducing inflammatory foods so those foods that are either triggers or the known offenders are the all the things that we can eat in abundant amounts sugar gluten dairy um can for many people be problematic and that's just because they are actually inflammatory foods that will contribute to that inflammation in your body so I'm not saying you shouldn't ever eat them, but we should reduce them if we are experiencing pain. And this can be pain anywhere, not just period pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things become very useful. And then supplementing magnesium can be really wonderful as well to help with period pain or, again, any other pain um, that you might be experiencing that's hormonal. So hormonal headaches are another example of that. Um, and I just start with patients with the recommended dose um, of whatever magnesium that they're buying, not to get too swept up in that to start with. But if you are needing a therapeutic dose, then you definitely would want to speak to your healthcare provider to help you with that. Sure. When Dee was a little girl and she was getting these migraines, the pediatric neurologist had her take magnesium every night. And I take, I started taking it again last year after I went to that doctor. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Still, yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. Let's talk fertility and infertility. So the first question is, what is your advice for women who are trying to get pregnant and maybe are not? Yeah, again, this is a a big question, but let's just try and keep it simple. Um, Stress is another big factor for fertility. And I think more than ever, we try and fit our fertility in and around our busy lives. Right. And we're so fortunate as women because, well, we get to we get to do it all. We get to have the babies. We get to have the career. We get to be all of these, wear all of, all of these hats. But sometimes we have to prioritise one over another at certain points in our lives. And that becomes unfortunate because we're the ones that have to do that. And so it's a privilege that we get to be the mums but it also means that at times we might need to pull back or pause on other things. And it doesn't mean you can't continue with your career, but it means that you might need to prioritise your fertility at that point in time. And so really making space, I think, for um, that, you know, to happen. And there are many women who 
have careers and have children. Um, But for those who are struggling to fall pregnant, this is somewhere I think we have to look uh, as to why it might not be happening. And again, we've spoken about stress, but it, it really pulls the handbrake on your sex hormones because it's designed to save you. It's designed to help you cope. Right. And you can't really do both. (laughs) (laughs) So I think just knowing that and being aware of that, and that can be difficult to hear as well because, Mm. you know, women might think, oh, how dare you tell me that I can't have it. You know, I can't do all of that. It's like, well, I'm not telling you you can't, but if it's not, we're all, as we've established, we're all different when it comes to our genetics and that might just be the way you are wired. Some of us cope yes. better with stress and some of us don't cope at all. And so it's really an individual thing. But, you know, I think now more than ever we understand how important nutrition is. We understand how important sleeping enough and and moving our body. And we I think we understand that's not a mystery anymore. When I first started in the area of fertility women didn't put those two things together and if you're hearing that for the first time and you're not doing that you must start there Uh, that is so important for you to start um, with the right nutrition and the right um, diet and lifestyle Um, but if you're already doing that and you're still not falling pregnant then we need to look at the other pieces of the puzzle that sit around that and I think that's where looking at stress um, really checking in with your emotional health uh, is important because also when we're in a state where we might not be conceiving and the longer that goes on for, the more we lose faith in our body and the more we focus on what's not happening rather than what we want to happen. You know, we can often push away exactly what we want um, as a coping mechanism. So I think just checking in with yourself with that and asking or, or being able to observe, oh, yeah, okay, I've just, you know, heard of another pregnancy announcement and it makes me so upset um it's it's okay to feel upset but if you are ignoring that I think that's a really you you really big clue you're pushing away exactly what you need to be inviting in and that's that's a hard part of the puzzle but again so important Oh my goodness. Yes. And then of course you get more stress because you want something to happen. Why is it not happening? Right. It's happening to everyone else, you know, mm-hmm. especially for a type mm-hmm. A personality like, mm-hmm. That's right. like us. And then tell us, and anytime that someone speaks about having a hard time getting pregnant, I feel like they, a lot of times vocalize that maybe they aren't so nice to the people around them, or it's just so, they're just in such a dark place. I don't know if, I, it's not that they're selfish. You you don't really want they to say that. absorbed with it, almost obsessed. Right. Yeah. And so how can someone remain mentally healthy during a challenging time of trying to get pregnant and not let it take a toll on your relationship with your partner mm. and your family and one of, work, yeah, one, everyone? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I ask patients that come to me for fertility for them to start to, from the minute that they walk out of my office, start to think, and behave and act as if they already are pregnant. Because if it just puts your head in such a different space, right. and most of the time, unless they're actually menstruating, there's a chance that they could be pregnant. So it's not like we're lying. <laughs> we're like living in a different headspace by, by, you know, if you were pregnant today, would you be still at the office at 8.30 at night? If you are pregnant today, would you 
burn the candle at both ends. You know, just you just start, would start to think and operate from a different place. And if I can ask patients to do that, it's almost like they're doing exactly what I just said previously. They're inviting that in. They're allowing for that. They're allowing space for that to happen. Right. Um, so that's a gentle shift in headspace. The other um, hard part is often for these patients and women that I see, they've also got a lot of pressure to fall pregnant, whether it's from family, loved right. ones. They're constantly being asked, you know, well, when are you going to have a baby? Right. And that can be so stressful. And that, so I have patients have at the ready the right things that they need to be saying. And one of the things I have them um, say when someone asks them, oh, when are you having children, is, oh, gosh, I'm just so ready for that to happen any time. And in saying that, it kind of shuts people down because <laughs> it's like you're, you're still talking about it positively. You're still welcoming in exactly what you're wanting to happen. You're not sitting there going, oh, well, we've been trying for two years. It's just not right. happening. Right. You're saying, oh, my goodness, I'm so ready for whenever that happens. I'm so excited for that to be something that's going to happen. And I think being able to say it that way, and I know that there'll be people listening that'll be like, oh, gosh, you know, easy, easy for you to say. Um, and I am lucky enough that I am very able to have children and very <laughs> able to conceive very easily. Yeah. However, I do, you know, um, have women in my office every single day that are, finding this is a challenge. And I think the one thing I have to be able to do for them is shift their mindset to the possible of, of yes, okay. Um, and using, I say to them all the time, it's your turn now. It's your turn. You have to believe right. it's your turn, but it's your turn now. And I think just having that body belief is such a game changer. Yes, definitely. Oh, my goodness. And how do you stay mentally healthy yourself when you're, getting all these women's pain and listening to everything they're going through all day, every day. <laughs> I think the nice part is it's an evolution. It's been an evolution for me as well, learning and growing with my patients and my audience. It's not like it was just all handed to me all at once. So one thing I, I was saying to someone yesterday, I'm feeling particularly tired at the moment. Work is particularly busy. And I think it's because now more than ever, people are prioritizing their health. And the way that they feel. And so my my knowledge, you know, once upon a time I would treat five days of the week and I'd be fine with that. But my knowledge and what they would get, say, 15 years ago is very different from what I give them today. So I tend to see less patients but give them so much more mm -hmm. Um because my experience has grown, my own skill set has grown. And so I think with that comes a level of self-protection in terms of, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to give the patient what they need but protect myself at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think I get to check in with myself and I know what it feels like to be overextended I know what it feels I have little clues my body shows me when it's not happy um you know just pain in certain areas or pressure in certain areas of my I have these two points in my head that I know when I've tipped over that they just they don't hurt it just feels like someone's got their finger on them it's my little clues like oh okay you know um I try and remain as active as possible I I you know try and eat as as healthily as possible I think the one thing I do 
however, and we haven't spoken about, is I definitely um, adopt a regime of fasting. So um, fasting can be amazing for so many things, mental health, physical health, hormones, uh, you name it, it helps with. Um, But it's something that I do most days of the week, uh, in fact, most days of the year. And that just involves me, you know, having a period of time where I won't eat um, and the majority of that I'm sleeping for. So that isn't that hard. (laughs) Um, But usually trying to, you know, have dinner and whatever time dinner is, I won't generally eat for um, 16-ish hours after that. So that's a Mm 16-8 type of fasting and I have a lot of information on this on my website. but that just really allows me to have um, mental clarity, but also in a physical sense, um, your body does so much when it's not digesting. And so it, keeping an eating window to sort of eight hours of the day um, can have tremendous health benefits. And I definitely, definitely can speak for that myself. That's great. That's great advice. And I'm glad it's on the website. And also as you go through time, like, you know, from experience now that what you're telling these people, you know, they're probably, you know, you, you, you have a good idea of what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. If you can just get them, you know, calm and help them through it and everything you're, what you're telling them is very helpful information. So you can leave it there and know, well, today they're in a bad place, but they're going right. to, if they follow what I'm telling them, it will be a you know yeah, beautiful yeah. thing in the long run. Yeah. And my question to you too, because well, Dilly and I both are type A people. I know that's just almost like a, you know, that's just a word to say that we are both intense and it's very hard. Like I can never just sit and, you know, my husband's tired when he comes home at night. So he likes to just come home and have dinner and watch TV for a little while and go to bed. But I cannot sit and watch TV. I can't. <laughs> I used to, you know, be, uh, cross-stitching or um, doing sales mm-hmm. through social media for work or I am um, constantly feeling like I need to take a nap because I, I'm either on a hundred or I'm depleted and so mm-hmm. I would love any advice that you have I mean we know about the deep breathing and meditation mm-hmm. but every time I try meditation I would just go to sleep so um, <laughs> <laughs> you know you have and I know exercise but is that what are your like if you could give us like two or three little things that we could kind of remember. Oh yeah, let's, let's, I need to incorporate these things to reduce stress. I think, like I said before, the first thing I say to patients is when you're feeling overwhelmed and we typically at some point can identify with what that feels like. We might be in this vortex of stress, but at some point during your day, you'll be like, Oh gosh, I just don't feel I know I'm overwhelmed right now or I know I'm like racing around like a crazy person. Right. Um, And I think in that moment, just checking in with yourself and really analysing, hang on, what am I stressed about? Like it might be that you have something that is warranted. It might be that you have, you know, a loved one that's sick or um, some type of trauma that you've experienced. That warrants stress. But just the everyday stuff, the picking the kids up from school or, Um, making sure dinner's on the table or, um, you know, haven't got the washing off the line or (laughs) random things that we we find ourselves feeling frazzled or stressed about don't actually warrant that. So I think you have to check in and and ask yourself, and I say to patients, if you can just carve out five minutes to write down those things, write down what you're actually stressed about, Mm -hmm. you'll find that if you look at that list, you'll scratch your head and think there's only one thing on that list that's really 
I need to be worried about. The rest is trivial. The rest is I'm just choosing that. And so then we get to choose again and we get to choose better. And yes, you still need to take the washing off the line, but all of a sudden you're not freaking out about it. You're not stressed <laughs> out about it. You're just going to do it, right? Right. So I think, I think that's really important. And I really understand that um, the predicament with meditation because very much <laughs> I can identify and relate to that. Uh, but it's finding the right type of mental download, I think. So for some of us, it might be putting your headphones in and listening to an audio book whilst you do fold the washing or, um, you know, I find that that is a great way of de-stressing. Um, That's a great idea. Even research shows that boiling the kettle and making a cup of tea decreases your stress by over 50%. That makes sense too. Crazy, right? But it's just breaking the cycle. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, listening to music is another one that decreases stress. So it's just little things. You've just got to find your own tidbit that works. Like what of all those things works for you? And I think if you can identify, some of us are great at meditating and or taking or carving out that time and others of us would, the thought of that makes us want to poke hot pins in our eyes. Like, (laughs) so you've got to find, yeah, you've got to find what works for you. Well, that's a great idea because a lot of times I find when I'm doing the laundry, I'm, I'm building up resentment that I'm doing the laundry. So if right. I am listening to a podcast, I won't even be thinking about the fact, you know, that I'm doing the laundry. I, I will actually happily fold the washing if I'm listening to something. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to do Thank you for that. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Tell us what are happy hormones. I think we all want those. How do we achieve that? Well, again, it comes back to minimizing these stress hormones that we're talking about and, and allowing the other hormones to do what they're supposed to. So we, I think most of us uh, identify with, we've heard of dopamine and serotonin, those feel-good hormones, and they're definitely made in your gut. We've, we've finally worked out. And so another reason why making sure that your digestive system is working as good as possible um, is really important. But the other, when we were talking about our sex hormones, yes, we need estrogen. But we also equally need progesterone, as we spoke about at the very beginning. Progesterone very much is one of those hormones that makes us feel very good. It helps us sleep better. It helps us. It's a natural diuretic. Um, it, you know, it can be calming, I think, is the main, main word. It doesn't mean that we feel like we're going to go to sleep, but it does help us sleep. Um, so I think having that balance is what we talk about when we're talking about happy hormones and we spoke about excess estrogen before. So bringing in some of those things will actually naturally allow your progesterone to rise. So if you can, if you can regulate your estrogen better, if you can actually get that sort of down to a point where it is happier, then progesterone will actually naturally rise. So you don't even have to really do anything. Um, And that is really comes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, having things in check and in balance will help you feel balanced as well. So it's nice because I've given you those that information just in a different scenario when we're talking about stress or overwhelm or transitioning through menopause, we can translate that over to feeling better in general, whether you're 26, 46 or 86. So really being able to balance that and and yes okay you're going to have way less of those hormones as we get older but they still need to be in check and I think that's the main thing to look at that's wonderful advice tell us about your mentoring group Mm, 
I love that. Thank you for asking. Um, over time, I've recognised, oh, look, I've made a lot of mistakes, as we all have in anyone that, you know, <laughs> really looks like an overnight success, that's so not the way it goes. Right. And, you know, for all of the wins, there's been lots of failures. And I used to be asked to mentor people all the time. And I, my PA used to say, you've got another request for someone to mentor. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them. Like, what would I know? And she used to roll her eyes and be like, you're ridiculous. And I used to just think, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with anyone. Anyway, um, just out of the blue one day, I decided to come up with a, a program and just beta test it to see if this actually something people wanted. And we were overwhelmed with the response and took a group of women through this beta testing mentoring. And the end result of that is well, we're going into our fourth year of intakes for that and really helping, um, so far it's only been women, but that's fine, not only. Um, I, I take males on, but I, I just feel like um, uh -huh. women, we operate from a very different place from men and so we should. Um, and it really is a program that helps um, people do anything that I've done, <laughs> anything that you've seen me do, whether it's podcasting, writing books, being on television, whatever it might be, um, helping them in that that way. So I always say to people, if, if I've done what you want to do, then I can definitely help you. And so that can range across the board from in clinic right through. I've had, um, I've mentored girls that are hairdressers, um, that are TV personalities, that are practitioners, that are coaches. Um, mm -hmm. At the moment, I have a, a mortgage broker that I'm mentoring. Um, and I think it's really being able to identify who you are, what you do, and why you do it. And when you can get very clear on those things, everything else becomes easier. So helping dial it in on, on those, those three main things and then helping carve out goals and um, things to work towards for the next 12 months. And I think, I mean, I have amazing mentors. Um, I realised that I was investing in people that actually hadn't done what I wanted to do. And so when I actually got the right mentor, mm. um, it was a game changer because all of a sudden I was like, yes, that's exactly, people were telling me what they thought I should do, but they'd never actually done it themselves. Right. And exactly. so I needed to find those mentors and advisors that totally knew and exactly what I just said, that had made some wins and some losses, but the losses helped them to sure. see what, they, what was working. Um, and I think that's where we can get stuck, especially as, uh, you know, people that might be new or fresh in a career, having that support can be um, so useful and beneficial in getting you where you want to go quicker. Mm -hmm. um, saving time and money is really important. Very, very much so. What is the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle? Mm. So the luteal phase is the second phase that I spoke about before where Progesterone is definitely at its peak. The luteal phase is so it's from when you've ovulated to when your period arrives. That's known as the luteal phase. Yeah. It's obviously the phase that if you are trying to conceive um, is where conception and implantation would occur. But if that doesn't happen because perhaps you don't want it to um, or perhaps for whatever reason it's not that's not happening, um, 
then obviously that lining will come away, we'll get a period, and then we'll repeat the cycle. So the other flip side to the luteal phase is the follicular phase, just to put it into perspective. So the follicular phase, I guess it's named that because it's when the follicle that's on the ovary grows mm -hmm. um, to become the corpus luteum, which is, you know, the follicle is released for ovulation. And that corpus luteum, which is like where, what's left behind, actually is amazing. It, it becomes its own little machine in what our, our hormones need and, and helping our hormones and supporting our hormones. So every part of your body is responding to those two phases. And um, I think it's very underestimated the impact that our menstrual cycle has on us. The only time we realise that it's having an impact is when it's problematic, but yeah. it's still impacting us all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. How can we negate PMS? <laughs> oh, well, um, funnily enough, for most of us, it comes back to that estrogen progesterone ratio that I was talking about before. When we have too much estrogen and we don't have enough progesterone, we tend to see PMS symptoms or signs. So they might be things like headaches before the period, period, um, even, um, yeah, to a degree period pain, but it's more the symptoms that we see prior to the period that are PMS. So women will sometimes have pain pre-period, um, headaches, mood swings, night sweats, cravings, they're all signs of PMS or premenstrual syndrome or mm. symptoms. Um, and so really supporting healthy progesterone is so important. We spoke about how to regulate estrogen better and we spoke about how that impacts not progesterone in a positive way. Um, there's a couple of other things that you can do. Um, B vitamins can be really important to help us through that phase. So not just at that time, but something that you probably want to incorporate all month round. Um, that's, again, because they help us with stress. Um, and stress is typically what's impacting estrogen and progesterone. Um, and vitamin C can be useful as well. So, uh, you know, again, just don't get too fixated on the the brand as such, but definitely going to, you know, a health food store um, would be useful. Not buying the, I'd say if it's the cheapest brand, don't buy the cheapest brand. You know, you, you get what you pay for when it comes to vitamins and minerals. So something that's sort of mid to upper range is definitely going to be a superior quality to something that is in the, the um, you know, the <laughs> the, ba the bargain basement of your your pharmacy or um, drugstore. So a question I have for you then, I, I always go back and forth on this. Do you think it is important? The, the thing that, that worries me is like, as women my age, even in menopause, their primary position is a lot of times their OBGYN. And, you know, that's not always a great thing. But do you think that taking a daily multivitamin, especially if it's one, you know, suggested for your age group, um, is a good thing? Or do you think we get enough through if we're healthy eaters? I always want to say that we should hopefully, you can never out-supplement a healthy diet. Right. Okay. So regardless of whether you're taking a multivitamin or not, you must be eating to support your health. To right. think that you can just take a multivitamin and not do the others um, is very ambitious. <laughs> you know, your body doesn't, your body requires certain nutrients to right. function. Um, I would say, however, when we are not operating from uh, our best state, so 
when we're stressed mm -hmm. and that can be like I said for various reasons and some very much warranted we may need or we're using medications um, we might need to supplement because that is another stressor on the body that can't be avoided mm -hmm. so I would say if you are you know dialed in with your nutrition and your lifestyle and you're not experiencing symptoms then absolutely that's plenty that's great but if you are doing that already and you're still experiencing symptoms then we then using tools like vitamins and minerals can be useful um, but again I always want someone to be on the lowest to no dose of anything with no symptoms so what do we need to do to get you there and that's when having the right doctor can really be useful and I think when it comes to an OBGYN, there are some amazing doctors out there. There are some average ones, as we've spoken about as well, like anything in life. So it, not everybody is for everybody and really finding somebody that understands you, listens to you, even if they don't necessarily sometimes agree, <laughs> but they listen to you and they are still supportive, I think that is so important for you. And I always say to patients, you need to find your cheer squad. They are the healthcare providers that support you and do all those things that I said, listen to you and are cheering you on. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not getting that or you're not feeling that, then it's time to find someone that is able to do that. And I work alongside a lot of doctors and very happily so. They're very happy to have my support and input. Right. Um, because I get to fill the gaps that they don't necessarily have time for or we look at the body in a different way and, and we're, you know, we're getting to move the body to an optimal state of health, right. not just treating illness. And I think that they're two different approaches. Right. So it is finding the right person and it can be tricky, but using tools um, to get us right. back to that optimal state I think is always what you want to achieve, whether it's a pharmaceutical drug or a, um, a supplement that's a vitamin or a mineral. They're all doing that. Um, some of us, we know that we don't, you know, utilise things as well as others. Some of us know that genetically we've got certain traits that mean that we might have to take a certain type of B vitamin or a certain type of um, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Um, and typically, if you're at that point, you know that about yourself. And if you know at that point, well, it's maybe time to start exploring why you're feeling a certain way as well. Well, like my OB has never brought up gut health at once. You know, yeah. that's not something that, and I think that's so important, like, like you've said. But ha, so in that vein, how can we better listen to our bodies instead of just taking an Advil, you know? Right. Well, look, at, look for clues always. You're always being shown them. If you're getting a headache at the same time every month, for example, well, start to note down your signs and symptoms and start to play detective and just be like, oh, there's another headache and move on. Write it down in your diary and start to look at the patterns that are forming because that's very much how to work out whether it's hormonal or not. If there's a, if there's a rhythm to it, because if, as we've established, for women, we, especially whilst we're still menstruating and even after we're menstruating, we're still are cyclic beings. Mm -hmm. There is not one day of the cycle that you're the same. So every single day you're different throughout that cycle, which means your needs change, which makes it very hard if you are hormonal <laughs> to have a different symptom every day. But if you start to note this and you can see the patterns that are forming, you can start to work out what's actually going on. It's not that hard once you can have these clues. So 
I would say to write down your symptoms or take note or put them in some type of tracker app on your phone and look back over the month and start to see, you know what, I'm actually getting a period every two weeks mm-hmm. and chances are it's probably when you're about to ovulate and you're about to get your period or it might be just after you've ovulated and just after you've finished your period but there's a rhythm to it and that's just one example of many um, but if you can start to use the clues then you can start to get curious and not fear it because that's our other innate way of being is to just think the worst think something's right very diabolically wrong when it's probably not um, and use those clues to help you understand your body and what it's trying to tell you um, but even that simple uh, idea that I just said then of is it cyclic or is it not helps you understand is it hormonal or is it not mm-hmm. um, and that can be such a game changer just even thinking about that mm-hmm. okay that's wonderful now you may have said this before but how can we increase progesterone besides decreasing stress mm. Progesterone is either going to be low for one of two reasons, either not enough estrogen, which we haven't spoken about, or too much estrogen. So we've covered off on too much estrogen. If there's too much, then it pulls the handbrake on progesterone. So we're really, there's nothing you can do. Well, depends on who you speak to. If it's for fertility, you might be prescribed progesterone in that second phase of your cycle. And that's fine. And that's often what's what's happening in a more medical sense but you're still experiencing high estrogen. There's still symptoms that come with that. So you really still need to look at how I can get my estrogen down. But for those of us that have low hormones, low estrogen, which equates to low progesterone, the trick is now, you can probably guess, is to actually raise estrogen, which Mm -hmm. will then naturally raise progesterone. Um, So... That can very much look like improving gut function, absorption, um, making sure you have the right nutrients, vitamins and minerals. Um, Like I said, working on your gut. Uh, And you can use some little um, additions like flaxseed can be really useful and healthy and safe for anyone to take to build estrogen. A lot of women where they get it wrong is you might have heard of a supplement called Vitex. A lot of women, if they're experiencing low progesterone, will jump on the Vitex bandwagon. And this is where it can be so important to have the right healthcare provider because I will see patients that will say, oh, I've already tried that and it didn't work. And certain things will work depending on your situation. And this is a prime example of what we've been talking about. Vitex will work if you have high estrogen it'll help to lower estrogen and support healthy progesterone. But if you have low estrogen and you're taking Vitex, it doesn't work because it works for the regulating estrogen. So, you know, this is where we can get it wrong and we must use the clues. I'll give you this one clue when it comes to estrogen that I use with my patients as a general rule. More estrogen, estrogen helps to build our lining. So more estrogen, more lining, heavy periods, less estrogen, less lining, light periods. So if you can use that as a clue, you can then work out, am I estrogen excess or am I estrogen deficient? And then what do I need to do to healthily support my progesterone? 
Wow. That's very interesting. I know. I must have too much estrogen. (laughs) (laughs) And so now you've got some tips as to how to regulate it better. You can see what the end result might be. And you can truly change from one menstrual cycle to the next. It doesn't have to be, you know, years of dedication. It's just doing the right thing consistently for a month that can have a big impact. Mm-hmm. And she's a vegetarian, so bone broth would not be an option that, you know, she would, you know. No, right. So there are protocols that you can look up online mm-hmm. um, that you can start to repair and rebuild the gut. Um mm-hmm. It's not something I do loads of. I try and encourage patients to come to the yeah. other side. <laughs> um, but, you know, and it's not that you need, I would say, if, you know, for our vegetarian listeners, you don't need to be eating a lot of it. But sometimes it's the one thing I'll say, mm, could we incorporate it somehow, broth somehow? And you don't need a lot, but maybe a little bit or using a supplement because often... Right. And um, she takes collagen so there you go. Perfect. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. so maybe we've answered this or maybe not, but what should we be eating versus avoiding for happy hormones, infertility periods, etc.? And mm-hmm. the note is that I'm a vegetarian, but mm-hmm. of course we have listeners that eat meat. <laughs> so as we spoke about really reducing those inflammatory foods that we yeah. spoke about before, we've touched on, that's what we should reduce, but what we should actually then be eating I mean, as close to nature as possible, whole foods, it's going to depend genetically on, you know, again, I can see the healthiest vegetarian and I can see the most healthiest vegetarian. My question is, are you springing out of bed every morning? Are the whites of your eyes nice and bright? Do you have a regular menstrual cycle that's fairly, you know, effortless, not, not a pain, not too heavy? These are the questions we can ask ourselves to work out if our lifestyle and nutrition is ticking the boxes for us. Mm-hmm. So. Your hormones are made of fat and protein, so definitely fat and protein at every meal. Um, obviously, gut health, we've talking about, talked about um, absorption, and um, that becomes really important too. But really looking at your plate, and if, <laughs> if it hasn't like grown in the ground or walked on the ground, um, then it's probably not ideal. And so really, that's, that's what I mean when I say eating as... Mm-hmm. to nature as possible is really sure, important. Sure. Definitely. How can we sleep better and what messages do we get from our sleep patterns? Mm-hmm. Mm, um, sleep's interesting and there's only fairly new research in this area, but sleep is so important for hormone detoxification. So really um, making sure we're getting a quality night's sleep is very important. And if you're not sleeping, you must look at why. Um, in my latest book, Beautiful You, I actually have a, a, um, a, a table in there that tells you at certain times you're waking what that means for you. And I have this on my website as well, actually. Oh, yeah. okay. um, so what your sleep tells you is really important. And so looking at that clock and looking at if you are waking at certain times, what does that mean? Um, so, for example, if you're waking at 3 o'clock, we would start to look at the liver and what the liver's doing and why that might be impacting your health. Mm-hmm. Um as one example, but sleep hygiene is also really important. So creating the right environment to go to sleep. I think a lot of us struggle with sleep because we have our phones that we're looking at until we're right. right up until the minute that we shut our eyes and that light from our phone mimics sunlight. So it really tricks our brain into right. messing with our melatonin and cortisol levels, um, which can be problematic. So really 
you know, for some of us, we might need some type of regime to take us to that kind of place where we can fall asleep, making sure that we're, you know, that we've got the right temperature in the room, that we've got the right blanket, that we've got the right light, all of those things are important. Um, Again, though, if you've got problems with your sleep, um, we have to look at where they lie, what they mean, what's that telling you, and, and using those clues to then be able to further treat that. Mm-hmm. What is the eight by eight by eight rule? Mm. So I love this. Um, the eight by eight by eight rule is something that we probably, I get patients to strive towards. Not always possible, but eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work and eight hours of play and rest. Um, so if we can, I, I mean, we're all guilty of working ridiculous hours and then fitting the rest in and around that but I just especially for fertility I get them to use that as a guide Mm -hmm. if they can uh, it just helps them put proportions on where they're dividing their time and I really think that the eight hours of play probably doesn't happen for most people (laughs) yes so it's just a guide to help people to work out right sticking you know how they're prioritizing their time yeah Okay. Oh my goodness. I just did a love language test. I need to get BB to do it. And quality time is my love language. Oh, there you go. You definitely do then need to. <laughs> That's cute. Um, you do need to prioritize, definitely. Yeah, she doesn't. She does not play very much, but sometimes she does. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to play more this year and then go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a 2021 goal or whenever this is over. Any advice to negate bloating during your period or bloating in general? I'd most definitely have that. Bloating. Yeah, right. So progesterone, as I mentioned, is a natural diuretic. So if we don't have enough of it, we can see bloating, especially leading into the period. Um, you know, it can be, we can also get constipated at that time. Um, and that can be not nice and can feel a bit like we're a bit full as well. Um and then, of course, gut health. So just it depends on when it's happening. If it's happening every day, then I'd be looking at gut health. But if it's happening nearing the period time, mm-hmm. um, then I'd be looking at progesterone uh, as a clue at least uh, or a starting point. Okay, okay got to get that estrogen down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, at least, any natural remedies for migraine? Yeah, so it's working out what triggers your migraines, I think. Um, I've written about, I've got a, uh, definitely got an article on my site about migraines and helping people to determine um, why they might be getting their migraine. I mean, hormones can definitely be a factor. And again, your clue is when is it happening? Is it cyclic? Right. Um, but there can be other triggers, chemicals, um, strain and tension in the body. Uh, There can be lots of reasons why we experience migraines. So it's just a matter of working out why that's happening. And if it is your hormones, you're going to probably be able to guess which hormone you need to tame and (laughs) it's estrogen. Um, And so then looking at, and again, it's just because it presents that way for some people and it can be a combination of factors that trigger that as well. But really, again, getting... um, uh, handle on estrogen can be a game changer for those experiencing cyclic migraines Mm, i know mine are heat and lack of sleep there you go right yeah she's had a stress girl but she she used to take a b6 pill a a coq10 Mm -hmm. magnesium 
Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one other thing, every night when she was a little girl, we go to the health store. That's what the doctor recommended. But yeah. um, I want to know what Yo Nuts are. <laughs> <laughs> Yo Nuts is a brand that I put together a few years ago um, of just nuts and seed mixes because I was fed up with telling patients to mix certain nuts and seeds together that can have an impact on their hormones. Um, and so we have what's probably the most famous is our cleansing mix. And it's just, it's not rocket science. It's just a mixture of um, psyllium, flaxseed, slippery elm and chia seeds. And I get patients to sprinkle it on their food or have it even just in a glass of water, which is not the most delicious mixture you've ever had, but it really does help to support healthy gut function. Um, it's high in fiber, so it helps to move excess hormones out of the body. It helps to cleanse the liver um, and helps to um, support healthy bowel function. So it ticks a lot of boxes when it comes to balancing your hormones. Um, and that was the first. And we went on to create various ranges throughout the years, but our main things now are the, the cleanse mix is the one thing that we've kind of held on to and do sell um off my website or in the clinic um, and it's just using food as medicine and it just to me makes a lot of sense to do that because we kind of have to eat anyway right oh my gosh yes <laughs> and mom is obsessed with nuts and seeds so <laughs> there you know why <laughs> <laughs> what is the biggest fertility disruptor in modern diets oh hmm um those three things I said before, sugar, gluten, and dairy. Yeah. And, but again, it depends on your genetics. I'd probably say, if I had to choose, I'd probably say sugar. I think yeah. we can have gluten in a healthy way, especially when it's, again, as close to nature as possible. I think the problem with gluten is it's so refined nowadays. Whereas if you're having like, you know, whole grain sourdough or, uh, I don't know, other grains, um, they may not be as problematic. So um sugar probably is addict one of the most well it's not it's yeah it is one of the most addictive things that you can have um it's said to be as addictive as cocaine for some people so it, it does trick our brain it does certain things with our brain it definitely is something that once we have it we continue to crave it and is problematic for our gut health our hormone imbalance brain function um so many different things so i think and, you know, many women who are hormonal will crave sugar and that's because probably they need to look at what their insulin's doing. Um, so that's probably the one that I would say to people, it really does need to be on the lower consumption um, list and can be extremely problematic long-term if we are having a lot of it. Um, I think that's probably the 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 one that I would get patients to get a handle on the most for women with PCOS, I would say dairy is a big factor too. Um, and again, it's not that you shouldn't have it, but it can be quite problematic um, for a lot of their symptoms and signs. So, and again, it's just because it's hard to digest. Oh gosh. Yes. And sugar and gluten are things that we definitely try and avoid as much as possible. And sometimes of course we have to live our life and have dessert and delicious bread. Yes. Right. <laughs> Totally. Tell us how the different stages of our menstrual cycle affect how we feel. We're more creative on our period, etc. And also talk about mom didn't know about this, the ovulation. I think it's like your most beautiful 
part portion of the month because it's the mates. <laughs> it's attracting the mates. Totally. Totally. This might have to be our last question, if that's okay, because I do have to get the kids out the door to school. But um, I think our menstrual cycles are so um, influential over how we feel, as we spoke about before. Every single day of our cycle, we feel different. And so I like to divide the phases of the cycle up into the seasons. So summer, autumn, winter, spring. And if you think about what's happening at certain times, And we start with spring being a growth phase. So that very much being that follicular phase of our cycle um, where we, things are growing. There's a, there's new growth happening. So our lining's growing, our little eggs are growing on our ovaries. Um, We tend to feel after the period of time, we tend to feel really good. We tend to feel vibrant, creative, um, you know, especially as we lead into that ovulation phase which is summer, it's when we want to go out and meet the world, we want to be social, we want to, we want to, and the whole point in that is really, as women, we're baby-making machines. Our body, everything's gearing us towards conception every month, whether we want it or not. Um, so during that, that ovulation phase, we feel, we should feel, um, when our hormones are in balance, we should feel at our best, at our most creative. That's when you want to, you know, do the big pitch at, for a work um, or a career uh, goal or um, create that new thing that you want to do. Um, as we continue to come around and move into that luteal phase that we spoke about before and in that post-ovulation phase, we start to go through that, that autumn where we get ready to, to you know, for the we get ready or you call it fall, where the leaves fall off the trees and things become a bit, you know, kind of we start to go a bit more inward and that leads us into that phase of when we get our period again. And that's definitely that winter phase where we want to sit on the couch and snuggle up and, yeah. and eat more and, and sort of go inward, I would say. And so they're the phases of the menstrual cycle and, and really how we should be feeling at each phase is going to be different and that's perfectly normal. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. This was incredible. So much fabulous information. Tell us where can everyone find you, website, all your companies, books, (laughs) everything. Absolutely. Everything is on my website. Um, which is natkringudis.com. Um, so you'll find everything there, all, all of this information and more. Use the search bar if I have prompted something and you're like, oh, I need to find out about migraines or yeah. oh, I need to find out about um, my painful period or just use the search function because you'll find so much information on there and more resources. And and um, and I'm natkringudis on Instagram and Facebook and I really love hanging out with um, everyone on social media as well. Oh my goodness. Well, you are a font of knowledge and so lovely to talk to us all the way across the world. And we hope that you have a lovely day and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Nat. Bye. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.